The following sermon, entitled God, the Strength of My Heart, was preached on the morning of February 6, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's read together the 73rd Psalm. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore His people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily have I cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, and thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant, I was as a beast before Thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with Thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with Thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but Thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside Thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. This is the Word of God inspired and true. May He bless the reading of it to our hearts. The text for the sermon is verse 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the preservation of the saints is that precious truth that when God comes to save you and to incorporate you into the fellowship of our Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how weak you ever become and no matter how great the the temptations and the trials ever may be, God keeps you. God preserves you so that you will never lose your faith and you will never fall away and perish everlastingly. The doctrine of the preservation of the saints. God preserves you, His people, to everlasting glory. Now if you want to read a very formal, official explanation of this doctrine, you can read the 15 articles of the fifth head of the Canons of Dort in which the canon set forth very beautifully and very carefully this doctrine over against the Arminian heresy that is possible to be saved, to be incorporated into Jesus Christ and still lose your salvation and fall away everlastingly. But if you want to read a very simple and heartfelt, beautiful, personal expression of the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, then read the Psalms. And read this Psalm before us this morning. The personal expression of the truth and how it's experienced in the life of the child of God. Very personal. My flesh and my heart faileth, but... God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is there anyone here this morning who cannot relate? My flesh and my heart faileth. Unless you're Adam before the fall, and you're not, and neither am I, Unless you're one of the angels of heaven who excel in strength, and you're not, and neither am I. Unless you're God, and you're not God, and neither am I, then you fail, and you keep failing, and you need the preservation of the saints. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. God is strong. Don't ever use the word faileth with God. He doesn't fail. We sing of the unfailing mercies of God in Psalter 378. We know that well. And the refrain over and over, whose mercy faileth never. Whose mercy faileth never. God never fails. God is strong, strong in Himself. And here's the good news of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Great God of strength is to my heart and to your heart strength so that we can say, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is the doctrine of the preservation of the saints. God preserves us. And now let's hear the psalmist Asaph. Asaph standing now on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith in the entire old dispensation. It's not where he began. We know Psalm 73 very well. He's very, very low. 
until God took him into the sanctuary. God lifted him back up in faith and high spirituality. And now Asaph stands on this mountaintop of faith and he expresses these beautiful words. You probably memorized these words at some point in your life. The end of Psalm 73, Nevertheless am I continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Sometimes funeral messages. Right there. Whom have I in heaven but Thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside Thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so on. So let's take our position with the psalmist Asaph now. Right here on that great mountain peak of faith. And let's consider this 26th verse under the theme, God, the strength of my heart. Three things. First of all, my heart failure. Second, my heart strength. And third, my heart testimony faileth. My flesh and my heart faileth. That means I'm spent. I'm at my end. I have nothing left. And the psalmist uses that word to describe, first of all, his flesh. And that's his whole natural life. The psalmist from a physical point of view, my flesh. And then he applies that word to his heart. And that's the psalmist from a spiritual point of view, the the whole of his spiritual life. So we have the whole of the psalmist in his flesh and in his heart. And he says, my flesh and heart faileth. The verb faileth though is actually not in the present tense. We find it that way in the English here. And it's pretty easy to see. It's not really in the present tense where we have Asaph now standing on this mountain peak of faith. He's not saying that my flesh and my heart are failing right now. It's past tense. My flesh and my heart failed. They have failed. And now he's pointing us back to all of his experiences leading up to And this is the critical turning point of Psalm 73, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God. That's the turning point. Everything before the sanctuary of God is expressed this way by the psalmist, my flesh and my heart failed. So he's talking about that time before the sanctuary. Asaph's whole experience in Israel defied His expectation as a child of God. He believed in God. That God is not only sovereign, but God is always good and just and righteous and wise and faithful to His people. But now when Asaph looks around in Israel, he saw something that defied his expectation. If God is good, then surely God punishes the wicked and God rewards the righteous and those who are virtuous. But Asaph saw the wicked and not merely the wicked way, way out in Babylon or in Egypt somewhere, but right within the nation of Israel, he saw the wicked, those who did did wickedly and they prospered. They had all of their health and their wealth and their honor and glory and their successes and they did leap and bound from one prosperity to the next. There were no bands in their death. They were not in trouble as other men are. In fact, the plagues of their fellows they would view from afar. 
So much prosperity, the result of which was that they became very arrogant as their eyes were standing out in fatness. And then they became very, very violent. And they set their mouth against the heavens and against God in heaven and against God's Israel and God's covenant. And they all prospered. And then the psalmist Asaph looks at himself as he cleanses his heart and he washes his hands in innocency and the other righteous of the elect remnant in Israel. And it's one plague after another. So that Asaph's whole experience in Israel defied his expectation as a child of God. And he's perplexed. He has an issue. And it's not with any man. Not one single man in the nation. Not even any man who spoke against him personally. His issue was with God. Hast thou turned thyself away from the righteous, O God? Hatest thou and cursest thou the righteous? And lovest thou and blessest thou the wicked? And if that's true, then what's the point of confessing Thy name and fearing Thee and keeping Thy good commandments? Is it then better to live with no God than to live with a God who apparently blesses the wicked and curses the righteous? Asaph was so perplexed that he says in the text, My flesh and my heart faileth. Not completely. It's not as if he died in the flesh and he died in his heart. In fact, he says in verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Not completely, but he failed. In his flesh he failed. And surely the priests and Levites were able to see that as he would shuffle his sickly, sleep-deprived, weak frame into the tabernacle. Look at Asaph in the flesh, in the body. He's failing. And his flesh failed because his heart failed. There's nothing more important than the heart. And the psalmist makes that plain when he says, my flesh and my heart faileth. But he doesn't go on to say, but God is the strength of my flesh. And God is the strength of my heart. He doesn't say God is the strength of my flesh. Of course God is the strength of His flesh. In God, Asaph lives and moves and has His being. Every breath he takes is from God. But he doesn't say God is the strength of my flesh. He says God is the strength of my heart. Because nothing's more important than the heart. And if God is the strength of your heart, then God is the strength of you. All of you. The heart. Keep thy heart. The psalmist, rather, Solomon in the Proverbs says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. All your thinking, and all your willing, and all your desiring, and all your hopes, and your fears, and all your sorrows, and your joys, they all, from a spiritual, moral point of view, they all issue forth out of the heart. That's the fountain deep, deep within the man. The core of his being, the heart. That's where your faith is seated. Do you have faith? Do you believe in God? Your faith is seated in your heart. 
And then out of the heart of faith comes love for God and love for the neighbor. Nothing is more important than the heart. If your heart is strong spiritually, then it doesn't matter how weak you may be in the flesh. Though you may have a messenger of Satan to buffet you, a thorn in the flesh that causes you to writhe in pain, if your heart is spiritually strong in God, then you're able to say, it is well with me. No matter what happens in the flesh. But if your heart is not strong, it doesn't matter how strong you may be in the flesh. It's not well with you. You're failing. And that was Asaph's experience. His heart failed His flesh failed because, and that's the relationship, his flesh failed because his heart failed. There's no evidence in the Bible. There's no evidence in the history that Asaph was very, very old and deteriorating. Or that Asaph now had leprosy or some disease, and that's why his flesh was failing. That's not why. His flesh was failing because his heart failed. Now maybe your heart, maybe your flesh is failing because you do have an injury or some disease, a flu or COVID or physically the heart or some other vital organ. Maybe the kidneys are starting to fail. As we increase in years, the body and mind, they deteriorate. So maybe your flesh is failing. You physically. Asaph's flesh failed because his heart failed. And with the heart, the whole man went down. And his heart failed because his faith failed. He experienced what the canons of Dort refer to as the interruptions of the exercise of faith. The conscious activity of faith that was interrupted. Now, he didn't lose what we call the faculty of faith. He didn't become an unbeliever. He didn't become an atheist who now denied the existence of God. His faith, the exercise of his faith, the conscious activity of his faith, his believing, his trusting, his relying upon God, that was interrupted. That stopped for a time. For Asaph was looking around at himself and looking around in Israel and beholding God's providential dealings with himself and with others. And he started walking by sight. Now he was making judgments about God based on what he saw, based on what he heard, and based on what he felt in his experience. He made judgments about God. He's walking by sight. He was not walking by faith making judgments about God based on the unchanging objective revelation of God and His Word, walking now by sight and not by faith. Until verse 17, God took him into the sanctuary and God stood Asaph, as it were, right next to himself and caused Asaph to see things from God's point of view. That is, until God brought him to the Word. The unchanging Word. And caused Asaph now to see things by faith according to the Word until God revived and quickened him in his faith 
So that Asaph now, with regard to God's providence, was believing and trusting and relying in God. But before that sanctuary, his heart failed. His faith failed. And when faith fails, and the believer stops trusting, then all the bitter consequences ensue. And the very first one here, according to the psalm, is verse 3, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When Asaph's heart failed, he started looking at the wicked as they were leaping and bounding from one success to another. And he started to say within himself, I want to be with them. And I want to be like them. Though God was setting them on that slippery slope that leads to everlasting destruction, Asaph was full of envy. Envy at the wicked. My flesh and my heart faileth. Who has not suffered spiritual heart failure in the time of trial and temptation? What believer has not failed to trust God having the interruption of the exercise of his faith? What believer hasn't had a time in his life where he looks at himself and all of the trouble and the chastening hand of God and all of the adversity in his life one loss and setback after another and hasn't come to a point where he stops trusting in God and hasn't come to the point where his, his faith and heart are now failing that his flesh begins to fail. He becomes so upset with God's providence and why God is working it out this way in his life that he, he feels sick. Sick in the stomach. He's so upset, he feels ill, and he can't sleep. His flesh is failing because his heart faileth. And then what makes it even worse, the child of God says, and I love God, and I love Israel, and I love and esteem God's commandments more than gold, and yet I suffer one loss after another. They all set their mouth against the heavens, and they leap and bound from one prosperity to the next. And God is good? And who has not had a time in their life when they have been perplexed and stopped believing, stopped trusting in God and said everything seems contrary to how it should be. What is false is called true. And what is deceitful is called honesty. And what is unjust is called just. And what is defiled is called pure. And what is ugly is called lovely. And what is of a bad report is called a good report. And what is vile is called virtuous. And what is contemptible is called praiseworthy. And what is wrong is called right. And what is a lie is called truth. And the ruthless tyrant is called a lamb. And the one who hurts me and damages me and harms me, is revered. And our God is a very present help in time of trouble. God is not treating me, a righteous man, as He should. 
while He treats the wicked man as He should not. The holiest heart of the holiest man will fail. We all fail to trust in God, to hope in God, to rejoice in God. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God, but God, don't you love the but gods of Scripture? And they're not only written in Scripture, the but gods of your own experience, but God. Asaph says, excuse me, but God is the strength of my heart. The original Hebrew in characteristic fashion is very expressive and picturesque. Literally, we read, but God is the rock of my heart. So that the psalmist is referring to rock strength. Rock strength, which is enduring, never failing, everlasting strength. Rock. Now, if you would give me a five-year-old boy and say, you hold this boy, you carry this boy, I will be able to carry that boy for a little while and then I will fail and have to set him down. But if you take a five-year-old boy and you set him on a big rock, the rock will never get tired. Or if you take a big pile of dirt and sand and the Santa Ana winds, they whip and they howl and they beat against that pile, eventually it will erode and blow away. If you take a big boulder and now have the winds whip and howl, they won't change or move that rock. Rock strength. But God is the rock strength of my heart. God. Here's the great contrast in the psalm. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God. God is the infinitely glorious Blessed God, who is pure delight in Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There is no weakness. There is no imperfection in God. He is pure blessedness. God is. God is absolutely sovereign in the highest heavens. God says, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all My good pleasure. When there's absolutely nothing, God is so strong. God says, let there be. And the whole glorious universe comes into existence. God is so strong. When there's a dead man who's rotting in the grave, God can say, come, rise. And the dead man stands up and comes back to life. God is so great that when the winds are howling and the waves are smashing, God can say, peace, be still, and all is quiet. God is so strong. There's none like God in the highest heavens. And though all the demons, they rage against Him. And though all the wicked, they assemble themselves together. They even build their towers up to the highest heavens to shake their fist in the face of God. And they say, let us take counsel together against Him and against His anointed and against His covenant people Israel and let us destroy God. 
God is the rock of ages. No one, nothing can destroy our great God. And God is not only strong in Himself, God is love. He loves Himself. He loves His anointed Son. He loves His covenant people Israel. And God will use all of His strength for the sake of His people so that the great God comes to little Asaph and to little you and little me. Great God! And He is our strength. But God is the strength of my heart. God alone is the strength of my heart. My heart. Not money. Not possessions. And all that can be amassed. Not fame. Not fortune. Not likes. Not affirmation. Not popularity make you strong in the heart. Nothing, no one, not the pastor, not the elders, not the deacons, not the medical doctor, not the teacher, not the father, the mother, not the husband, not the wife. No one can be the strength of my heart. I love God. I love His church. I love His gospel. I love His people. I love you. I can't be the strength of your heart. You may love God and you may love Christ and His church and you may try to be the strength of my heart. You can't be the strength of my heart. God, God alone is the strength of my heart because God is the only one. The only one who can give you Christ. Asaph, you need Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom God sent into this world, into the humanity of our flesh and into the humanity of our heart so that He had a flesh and heart. And what trials and temptations the Lord Jesus Christ endured in His flesh and in His heart. They were terrifying. He stood on this earth as the mediator between God and Asaph, between God and me and God and you. And God took the guilt of all of Asaph's sins and your sins and my sins and God imputed that guilt to the mediator Jesus Christ so that He was guilty before God. And then God punished Him in His justice, especially late on that cross, in the darkness of the cross. And there the winds began to whip. And they began to howl the fierce winds of God's just wrath coming up against the Messiah in His flesh and in His heart. And there at the cross, the the fires of God's just wrath were kindled and the flames were leaping higher and higher, coming up upon the Messiah in His flesh and in His heart. And He never failed your Lord Jesus Christ. He never failed. He never failed to trust Him, to love Him, to hope in Him. He didn't look around at those Jews who had spit upon those Roman soldiers who had spit upon Him and reviled Him and those Jews who mocked Him and scorned Him and the soldiers who would come and pierce Him. He didn't look down at them and say, I envy them 
There are no bands in their death. I want to be like them. He loved God perfectly, even at the very, very end, when his soul, as it were, was sinking deep down into the hottest, flaming fires of God's just wrath against him for all of our sins. He never failed in his heart. He even said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, he trusted in him by the power of his Godhead. True God of true God in our flesh, by the power of his Godhead, and that's why he's the Christ, and you will never be the Christ. By the power of his Godhead, That's why He saves, and you can't save, and I can't save. By the power of His Godhead and His own inherent righteousness and holiness, He bore all that wrath of God, and He bore it all away, paid for it all, and He obtained for us righteousness and a heart of faith and a heart of love and a heart of hope and peace and joy and patience and meekness and contentment. And now here's our great God in heaven, God of strength, who loves us for Jesus' sake, He comes to us by the Word and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And this great God is the strength of my heart and your heart. God is. So that when your heart of faith fails and you stop Trusting God. And when your heart of charity fails and your heart begins to swell with bitterness and vengeance, and when your heart of hope fails and you don't see light, but all you see is inky black darkness, and when your heart of peace fails and you don't have any comfort within, and you keep sinking lower and lower. And when your heart of joy fails and you take your harp now and you hang your harp on the willows and say, I cannot and I will not be happy. Not now. Not in this. And when your heart of meekness fails and you get revilement and you take it and turn it right back rendering evil for evil. And when your heart of patience fails and you say, I'm finished. It's all over. I cannot and I do not want to go on. Not like this anymore. It's over. And when your heart of contentment fails and you're very bitter and very angry with God for His providence, when you suffer massive spiritual heart failure, you understand that all of the failure of your heart is guilt before God and you deserve to be punished everlastingly. There's only one. There's only one who can give you strength where you need it most right here in your heart. And that's God who for Jesus' sake comes He pardons you. He pardons you of all your iniquity. And He quickens you and revives you again by His Word so that you have a heart of faith believing 
and a heart of hope and charity and peace and joy and meekness and contentment and patience. But God is the strength of my heart. God is who is so faithful a God. As our God, there's none like Him. When I lose God, He never loses me. When I stop loving God, He never stops loving me. When I fail to see God for who He really is and praise Him for it, He never fails to see me for who I really am and helps me. When I lose my tenaciously tight grip on God and I feel myself slipping away from God, He never loses His tenaciously tight grip on me so that I say with Asaph, nevertheless, I am continually with Thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. But God, but God, don't envy the wicked. Don't envy those who do wickedly. They say it too. They must. My flesh and my heart faileth. But no, no but God. Don't envy the wicked. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart. And when God becomes the strength of your heart, you will always say, and my portion forever. And that's so beautiful. God is my portion forever. My portion. In the Old Testament, in the typology, my portion, that's my allotted parcel in the land of Canaan. My piece of property. The land of sustenance and rest and delight. But ultimately, and heavenly and spiritually, and Asaph knew this, not just because he was a Levite, all the Old Testament believers knew this. Don't think the Old Testament believers lived like the beasts. They were always looking down at the material and the temporal and that which is now the typology in the land of Canaan. They looked up to. Asaph looked up. My portion. My portion isn't merely this or that in Canaan. God is my portion. God whom Canaan cannot contain and whom the whole earth cannot contain and whom the heaven of heavens cannot contain. Jehovah, God of the covenant. He is my land of rest, my sustenance, my delight in Jesus Christ. In all the unsearchable riches of Christ, God is my portion. And God is my portion forever. Forever. When the wicked man stands at the door of his grave and he has one step left, one step before he goes down into the grave, he has to take everything he has and let it go. All his money all his possessions, all his investments, all his toys, everything he ever owned, and and here's this pile getting bigger and bigger right next to his grave, and he has to let go of his wife and his children and his friends. Everything and everyone 
And then down into the grave he goes. And you know what happens to the righteous man when he dies? When he's one step away from his grave, he has to take everything he has and let it go. It's all gone. And it's all piled up next to his grave. And he too has to let go of his wife and his children and his friends and everyone he ever knew. So he has nothing left. But God. There's one treasure in the covenant that you never lose. And it's your God. The infinite God, Jehovah. He is my portion forever. And then you go to heaven. And you say, whom have I in heaven but Thee? I don't care. I don't care if Moses is here. I don't care if David is here and Mary the mother of our Lord and she who was my wife on this earth and he who was my husband on this earth. I don't care. If God is not here, I don't want to be here. Whom, whom have I in heaven but Thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside Thee. Don't you see how Asaph is standing now on one of the tallest mountain peaks of faith in the Old Testament? His focus is so narrow. All he sees is God. His supreme delight and blessedness. Jehovah, His friend, sovereign in the covenant. God. But you know what happens when your flesh and your heart fail? When you have spiritual heart failure, you don't say, God is my portion forever. You look around and you find your portion to be this and to be that and to be her and to be Him. But when God comes to you and God makes your heart strong, then you say with Asaph, God, God, Only God is my portion. And God is my portion forever. God is everything to me in Christ. In all my living. In all my willing. In all my inclinations. In all my walking. In all my delighting in God's covenant. God and God alone is my portion. He's my portion forever. Forever and ever and ever. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This was Asaph's personal testimony that came out of that heart made strong. You know, it's one thing to have a strong heart. It's another thing to say it. God is so strong that God not only comes and makes our hearts strong, but God brings out of the heart and through the lips a testimony of Him. And that's Asaph. He had a strong heart and he said it. He had a weak heart 
And then God came and made it strong, and He said it. He wrote it. He wrote it as a song, a psalm to be sung, so that all Israel could hear Him and join Him in praising God. Asaph, did you hear the song Asaph just wrote? The Levites are now singing it in the tabernacle. Asaph, he leads the Levite choirs in the worship of God in the tabernacle. He's a believer, a very strong believer. He surrounds himself with all the spiritually uplifting music and the words of the covenant and of Zion. He has all kinds of abilities and gifts. He's a man of God, Asaph. Did you hear his song? Surely Asaph never had a spiritual crisis of faith. Man of God, did you hear his song? He's singing it. He's leading. My flesh and my heart faileth. But that's not all. And all Israel with him. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He said it. He sang it. So say it. Sing it. Adult, father, mother, I fail, but God is strong. Office bearer, leader of worship. Sometimes the worship leader becomes emotionally burned out, mentally wore out, spiritually dried out, especially when there's all kinds of challenges and opposition in the work of caring for the sheep of Jesus Christ. Even a leader of worship like Asaph will say, I'm failing and I have failed in my flesh, in my heart. But that's not all. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Say it so that all Israel can hear it and rejoice with you in God. And you say it right here in the sanctuary. That's the turning point of Psalm 73. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the tabernacle where the holy place is and where God in His grace dwells with Israel. God with Israel in the sanctuary. The sanctuary is not Asaph's personal home. It's not your personal home either. The sanctuary is not all the tents of Babylon, the wicked world, and the false church. This is the sanctuary right here. Where God is. You are the people of God. Indwelt by the Spirit of God. And you have here the Word of God as it is faithfully proclaimed by a man of God who stands in this pulpit. You have the Word of God read. The Word of God read as law. The Word of God confessed. The Word of God sung in the Psalms. The Word of God preached and believed, embraced, and lived. God is here. This is the sanctuary of God. And you all know it. Every single one of you. 
This is the sanctuary of God. And if you make a deliberate choice to live your life out of God's sanctuary, your whole assessment of reality will be confused and conflicted and corrupted and you will fail in your flesh and in your heart and God will see to it. And you know it. Here, in the sanctuary of God, all becomes plain. And it's here that God through the Word of Jesus, God is here in the Word of Jesus, that in the Word of Jesus, God makes you strong. And here, out of Zion, the sanctuary of God, you say, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And God is so strong that God not only causes you to say that in His sanctuary today, God will cause you to say that all the days of your life so that when you come to stand right outside the door of your own personal grave and you have one step left and you have to let go of everything you have and everyone, even there, God will give you strength to say, My flesh and my heart faileth. They have always failed. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we confess that Thou art good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Truly, truly, Thou art good. Very good. Only good. Always good. Thou overflowing fountain of all goodness in Christ. To Thee be the glory forever. Amen.